Well, this morning my assignment is us, our journey. I've noticed by the things that God wants me to talk about that he's very concerned about us. And this time that we have the opportunity to live in the kingdom of God if we choose to do that. We know that the kingdom of God that they talk about in the Bible and the kingdom of heaven is those two periods down here when we're saved and we have a chance to make God ruler of our lives every day. We've been talking about waiting. We've been talking about patience. And all of that has to do with waiting on God to give us direction for how we need to go. It's so easy for us to fall back on ourselves and want to make our own decisions. And we know that God says that doesn't work. And we don't have the information to be spiritual unless he gives it to us. And so we pray for that. The goal of God for us is to know more about him than we know of the world. I never thought about it in those terms until this morning about daylight. That's the thing. We live in a world, it's all around us, it confronts us every day. We learn about the world. Sometimes we get familiar with the world and we don't pay it that much attention. But Satan is in charge of it and he's using the world to try to defeat God and what he does in, in and through us. We're the target because God's work is us. And to destroy God's work, he's got to destroy us. And he does it a million ways. And let me repeat this for some of you may, who may not have heard this and, and think like I do, but I believe that what God said in Genesis that when he created Satan, that he created him to be the most subtle creature that he ever created. I think the thing that gets Satan more than anything else is to be recognized. He doesn't like that. He wants to sneak around and try to get damage done to God without anybody knowing that he was even there so they can blame it on him. They think it's just the normal thing, but it's not. It's Satan. So he tries to hurt us without us even knowing that he had a hold of us. God says to have a spiritual mind and be a spiritual person is to know and understand him. And that's what this book is all about. It's about understanding God and heaven and Christ and the Holy Spirit and how they work. So I've capitalized or titled this little talk, Our Journey. That journey that we, we walk between the time we're born again and the time we're face to face with Jesus. 
And I've told you, I was born again at 10. I was baptized at 10 in October of 52. You can't do any very many bad sins before you're 10 years old. So everything I've ever done to disappoint God in any kind of a major way, I've done it as a Christian. It took. I know my baptizing took. I became a Christian then. And everything I've done to disappoint God, I've done it as a Christian. And I'm not proud of it. But that's just just to to make you aware of, of what we are capable of doing. But we've got scripture this morning that God gave me that is a little bit hard to understand. And I'm going to try to to make it easier to understand if I can. But he starts out in Romans chapter 8. Turn there if you will, please. And he's explaining to us about us now. And hopefully we can better understand just how to live each day being approved of by God. Because I'm going to say this, I had to learn years ago that I'm doing a lot better with God than I thought I was. I was trying too hard. But see, I had been preached to all my life about all the rules. You can't cuss and you can't dance and you can't drink and you can't gamble, and you can't this, and you can't that, and you can't this, and you can't that, and you walk around all the time dodging all these problems, and you can't even stand up and be called a Christian and work for him because you're dodging everything. And I hope again I may be able to show you. You're free, people. God has made you free. Whom Christ has made free is free indeed. You don't have to worry about all those rules. God came that you might have joy and have it more abundantly. And I want to encourage you today, don't walk around with a mulligan worried about all these things you might do. That's the reason Jesus came and died so that we might have forgiveness for everything we've done. And all we've got to do is to stop and say, Lord, forgive me. And it's taken care of, and he even forgets it. So never be afraid and never be down because of sin, because it's part of our life. It came with the body. And we got to deal with it, but we don't let it pull us down. What did Paul say? Looking not on things that are past. Yesterday is no count. It's gone. Today is what counts. And today is what you got to look for. Well, what, what, you look like you were. Well, I just, you know, I thought about, you know, one of my kids yesterday let me know that they did so, so and I've just been worried about it ever since. Uh-uh, don't do that. When you wake up in the morning... Say, Lord, this is the day that you have created and I'm going to be glad in it. And I'm not studying about what happened yesterday. Well, what about 30 years ago? You just don't know what I did. It don't matter what you did. God doesn't know about it if you ask him to forgive you. So why should anybody else worry about it? Why should you worry about it? That's the thing that present-day Christians don't understand. We're free. We are free to serve God.
It says in Romans 8, in verse 18, Paul says in his letter to the Romans, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. How, I mean, here we are, we're waiting, we're patient, and we have, we hope for that thing that we've been promised, an eternity with God in heaven where there's no problems. That's something. And for us to get mully grubs about something that's happening to us down here, knowing what we've got coming? No. No, God doesn't intend for that. What glory is he talking about for us? Well, down here, it's the glory of being obedient and getting the praise of God for being obedient to him. And our going to heaven. That's going to be the most glorious thing that ever happened to us. And as we live in this kingdom of God, if we make it that, this time as a Christian on earth, if we put God in charge of everything we do and we wait on him to tell us what that is, we learn things, we change. People in this part of the country, what they call the Bible Belt. I told somebody from up north this about two, three years ago. He couldn't understand how in the world people down here would vote for a president who didn't claim to be an evangelist and all this kind of stuff. He said, I can't understand why the evangelicals voted for him. I said, well, you've got to understand about people in the Bible Belt. That's where we are. When they hear anything out of somebody's mouth that sounds like Jesus might have influenced him to say it, they just automatically believe that that person is fixing to get to be a whole lot better than he is. And that's the reason they look at it. That's the way they look at people. If you got Jesus, you're getting better. Now I ask you, if you got Jesus, are you getting better? You know you are. You see yourself. When you stop and look at yourself, you know you are. And that's what we're doing. We learn about God and what he wants and how he thinks, and we begin to understand him. But there's another side to that also. In, 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 in Philippians chapter 3, if you want to turn there, fine. If you don't, I'll, I'll read it to you. Chapter 3 and verse 20 of Philippians says, For our conversation is in heaven, yours and mine. We're Christians. Our behavior, that's what that word conversation means. It's a kind of a political term. Our citizenship, the way we act. We're already acting like, to some extent, we're going to act in heaven. Why? Because Jesus and the Holy Spirit has been in us and is changing us. You know you're changing. And you're changing to be more like somebody that's already living in heaven. Jesus was like that, and that's what we say when we say we're becoming more like Christ. He had a heavenly body. We got earthly bodies. There's a big difference. He came down here and took on an earthly body to show us that we, with our earthly bodies, 
can have heavenly bodies, that we can live down here like we're going to live in heaven if we live like he lived down here. For our conversation is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior. That's the place we're looking for. That's where our hope is. That he'll come back from heaven to get us, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. That's what he's doing with us today is changing our mind, changing our body, changing our behavior, changing the way we think, changing the way we act. According to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things under himself. Now look, here's what that says. Jesus has got the power to change us to be like he wants us to be. Now let me tell you something. And this is sometimes something we forget. Those people back there that walked the, the streets in Judea, when Jesus came on the scene, they knew more about Satan than we'll ever know today. They understood Satan. He made people blind. They went to a pool and tried when the water stirred to get healed. He made them deaf and he made them dumb, unable to speak, and he made them lame, and he did all kind of horrible things to him, to people. They understood Satan. We don't even believe that Satan's behind most of that stuff that's in walking our streets today. We don't, we don't give Satan credit for doing all that. They did. They knew how bad Satan was, and they knew that the only people they knew that were church people were the Jews, and the Jews wouldn't let them in. And they couldn't read the Bible the Jews had because they only read it in the temple and they couldn't get in the temple. So here they're walking around. The only option they have is to worship idols. And here comes this man walking out of Nazareth right down the road. And he's telling them all this stuff. And then when they see him raise people from the dead or take demons part of Satan, take them out of people, they understood for the first time in their life that Jesus was stronger than Satan was. And they had never seen anything like that. See, we, we here, we got it different. We think Jesus is stronger than anything, and he is. But we didn't start out believing in Satan like they did. We act as citizens of heaven because he has the power to change us just like him and he was a citizen of heaven. But now here's another point. So many of the heaven, the characteristics we're going to have in heaven, we learn them down here. You say, do what? Now, I thought I was going to be changed. Oh, you will be changed. But now think about it for a moment. We've been talking about patience and waiting. My Bible tells me that tribulation worketh patience. You want to get patience? How do you get it? By dealing with trouble. But wait a minute. There's no trouble in heaven. <laughs> so how are you going to get patience up there? I don't think you'll have as much. I don't think you'll have as much. I think you'll learn your patience down here by the things you... It said Jesus even learned by the things he suffered. 
I think that we'll be changed. Yes, we will. I don't know how, but I know this. You get patience down here. And you can live down here with patience like people do in heaven. I've heard people talk about somebody so heavenly minded they're no earthly good. You can't be that way. You get heavenly minded down here, you're going to do good things. Now there's a lot of things that people on the earth down here that are not Christians do that you're not going to do. Does that mean you're not any good? To them it does. Well, I mean, he won't even go out and drink, get drunk with me, stay drunk for three days anymore. See, we're strange to them. Look back up if you're still in, in Philippians. For many walk, of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping, verse 18, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, they're lost, whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. They pay too much attention to things out here in their life. And that's what we started out talking about. The world can get you, it says in the 12th chapter of Romans, quit being like the earth. It doesn't say, it says it another way, but the way it's written is they assume, Paul assumes that you're becoming more earthly every day because you live here and the influence is on you. He says you've got to stop that and start living like a heavenly being like Christ. We don't think like people down here. Now, an example, and I've said it to some of you before, and some of it might still be confused about it. 1 Timothy chapter 4 talks about in the latter days, there will be a lot of people who will leave the faith, they'll leave Jesus' teaching, and they'll start paying attention to the doctrines of the devil. They'll start listening to the devil instead of to Jesus. And their ideas, it lames two of them. One of them is to quit marrying. That's already happening. People don't feel the need to be married. Number two, quit eating meat. That's how you know those people are listening to Satan. They want you to quit eating meat and don't worry about getting married. And it says, it, it describes them. Now here's the thing. Who's talking about quit eating meat? Who's talking about that? The people that talk about global warming. <laughs> Isn't that the reason they don't want you to eat meat? Because having all these animals, farm animals around, is destroying the ozone layer and it's causing global warming? I don't more believe in global warming than I do in anything. That's Satan's deal. That's not us. It's cold just been this last week and I'm going to believe the world's getting warmer all the time? No, no, no. That is something put out by Satan. And Satan's crowd, hear me, that's listening to Satan's talk. Not Jesus. Jesus never said nothing in his Bible about global warming. And look at how many people are completely turned bottom up scared to death about global warming. It's Satan's crowd. They do it for controlling us 
and for making money. James says if you get too friendly with the world and start believing what Satan says, who owns the world, you're an enemy to Jesus Christ. So let's be careful about what we believe. You know, in study, and a lot of people don't realize this, I don't think, but because I'm near 80 and been studying the Bible for 75 years just about, I've come to a place to where I've learned some things. I don't believe that any of the disciples believe that Jesus was the Son of God as long as they walked with him. I know Peter wasn't. Peter at Pilate's, at Christ, the night before his crucifixion, right before that, after the, the Last Supper, Jesus said, Peter, when thou art converted, I want you to feed my people. I want you to talk to my people. Jesus said, repent, change your mind, because the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven, is at hand. And 50 days later at Pentecost, Peter preached a sermon, and 3,000 people were saved, and the church was started. That's what he's talking about. You know, when the two of them ran to the tomb, Peter looked in, saw the clothes, he didn't say he believed it changed his life. John looked in and saw it, and when he saw the head rag folded up, he remembered that Jesus had told him that I will be resurrected. They're not going to kill me. They're going to look like they do, but they don't. Possibly John was saved before Pentecost, and Peter was saved somewhere between Christ's resurrection and Pentecost. But I don't believe as they walked with Jesus, I don't believe they knew. They knew a lot about him. I think they thought he was a very special man from Nazareth who could do special things, but he was a person just like everybody else. What happened when they killed him? They all scattered just like a covey of birds. Scared to death. They wasn't looking for him to come back. But he did. Praise God he did. Turn, if you will, to 1 John. Way over in the back, just this side of, of Revelation. And this is bragging on you. And I want you to see this. This thing of following Christ is not a, not a sad thing. It's a glad thing. And we need to see that. So what are we doing living this life? It says in, in uh, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God, the children of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Let me tell you something, people. When you start talking Jesus things and you start acting more like Jesus just a little bit, somebody's going to notice it. And when they notice it, they're going to think you're strange. That guy's weird. He don't act like he used to. I've been running around to him ever since he was a kid. He don't, he, he don't act like he used to. No, he doesn't because he's a Christian. He's becoming more like Christ. And you are too. 
And so people are going to find you very strange. The people that know you best are going to see it first. Therefore the world knows us not because they didn't know him. Beloved, now, verse 2, are we the children of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. What do you mean, what we shall be? What we shall be at the end. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. For the first time when we're face to face with Jesus, we'll see everything he is, and we'll know him. Then look what it says in verse 3, and we're going to be like him. And verse 3 says, And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is, as Christ is pure, we purify ourselves. Now listen, this whole thing through scriptures is that now that we're out from under the bondage to sin, we have a choice. Before, we didn't have a choice. The Bible plainly teaches that Satan can take the lost people and make them do anything he wants them to do, anytime he wants them to do it. They're slaves and bond slaves unto Satan and sin. And Jesus got, them out, got us out from all that. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself. We have a choice now. But now there's something that regulates that choice. God has taken us from bondage to sin and caught, made us children of God. Now we have a choice. We can still sin or we can not sin. But we can decide whether we're going to do it or not. And God is trying to influence us with the Holy Spirit not to choose to sin. but we have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit to make us that child of God that doesn't sin. Well, why in the world would somebody not want to be? Because they don't understand. They want to run with the crowd. They want to be the tall hog at the trough like everybody else does. They want to make all the money in the world. They want to have everybody stand around and make a big do with it. When they come riding down the street, they want people looking at them. That's what we normally do. But a child of God doesn't do that. And they don't understand us now that we're not like they are. So we're changing. And as we change, the world and the people around us don't understand that change. You know the people in... The world, lost people, it says, can't understand the Bible. You can't argue with a lost person about the Bible because they don't understand it to start with. All they can know about the Bible is the gospel of Jesus Christ and believe it. That's all they can. The rest of it comes later after they believe, but it comes after they believe, not before. And as like I said a while ago, there's a lot of people around Jesus that didn't understand who he was. And here he comes talking this stuff, and there's several of them. Even the priests were born again. They believed him. They believed what he said. 
but they wouldn't tell anybody because they're afraid they'd get kicked out of the synagogue. Isn't that something? You get kicked out of the church in those days if you told people you're a Christian. So they kept it quiet. So we don't know how it's exactly going to be, but we know we're going to be like him. And every day we change down here, we change to be a little bit more like him. If we cooperate with the Holy Spirit that's trying to change us. But I want everybody to make sure they understand when you believe in Jesus Christ to save you from your sins, you're in a process of changing. And you've got to look and make sure that what things are trying to change you, you go along with them. Because you can be stubborn and not be changed and stay pretty much the same way you are. So you've got to cooperate. We go back to Romans 8, chapter 8. And the next verse, number 19. For the earnest expectation of the creature, that's us. They call us creatures because we were created. The earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. We are going along, living every day, waiting for God to show the whole world of just exactly who we are. Because right now we don't seem to be too important in a lot of places. But that's coming and we look for it. We're going to be with Christ at the Battle of Armageddon. We're going to be snatched up into the skies. He's going to come in the clouds and say, come up, and we're going to go up in the clouds to meet him. We're going to be flying. I heard a song this morning after, pretty close after daylight. said, I'm getting ready to fly. <laughs> and that's what we're going to do. We're the chosen. We are the chosen. We're the elect. We were chosen by God. And that's the only reason we're where we are right now. It's not because of anything we did. Look at verse 20. For the creature, that's us, was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Jesus saved us. And then he made it to where we could be subject to vanity. Now what is vanity? Vanity is idolatry. It's worshiping ourselves more than we worship God. And that's what God is trying to change. Before we were born again, we worshiped ourselves. We thought about ourselves. That's all we want to do is make ourselves happy. And we did all kind of things, some of them things that God didn't approve of, to satisfy our lust and to make us feel good. And we worshiped ourselves. And it says here that that's part of us. And it still is. And that's part of that thing that we have to make a choice on. Verse 21, because the creature itself 
also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption, that's a slave to Satan, unto the glorious liberty of the children of God. I don't know about you. Maybe it's not affected you like it did me, and maybe I'm preaching from my own heart. But like I said, from the time I was born again until a few years ago when I learned enough of the Bible to know that what I was being told wasn't true. I've been told, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, you can't do that, and a Christian is known by the things that he does. Right? No. A Christian is known by what he is, not what he does. Why? Because I've sinned. I'll sin tomorrow. I don't know now what I'm going to do, but I'm going to do something that God don't like. Are you going to judge me by that? Or are you going to judge me by who I am? Because it's used by an excuse by so many Christians. Well, you know, we all sin and come short of the glory of God. Yeah, I know, but that's no, that's no, that's no excuse. So the thing is, we've been turned loose from that bondage. We don't have to sin anymore. But we will. Into the glorious liberty of the children of God. How many people do you know talk about other people? You know, I think about the sixth chapter of Proverbs where it says there are six things that God hates, yea, there are seven that are abomination to him. The number one thing on God's hate list Is a proud look. <laughs> it's not smoking or drinking or gambling or dancing or all these things that everybody tells us we've got to watch so close about. Or cussing. There's no word about using that what they call today using profanity. There's no there's no commandment in the Bible about that. But they teach it. And there are people who have made their whole careers about gambling. There's nothing in the Bible said about gambling. And they're trying to get it across in the, in the legislature now. Well, why does everybody think gambling is so bad? Because about a hundred and something years ago, people were gambling and letting their family go. And the preachers were getting in there trying to stop, do a good thing and stop the gambling and stop the getting drunk and stop the rambling and all that other stuff they talked about. So people would be good in their performance. We read about Cahaba Valley Church. Every time they had a business meeting, they're kicking people out. We saw why. They was drinking a beer in public. Drinking a beer in public. One. They was using a cuss word. One. Where other people could hear them. And they kicked them out of the church. See what I'm saying? They taught that it, a Christian is about what you do, not about who you are. Well, I've done all those things. But I tell you this, I testify to you today, I'm still a Christian. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17, don't turn there because we're going to just go right down, down where we are. But it says there, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, where the Holy Spirit is, which is in every one of us, he travels with us everywhere we go, 
24-7. He's not even in this church until the first Christian walks in. And the first Christian that walks in the church walks with Jesus inside of him. The Holy Spirit of God, he brings God into the church with him. No rules, no bondage to sin. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. We don't change by rules, people. We change by the Holy Spirit that's in us that says, don't do that anymore. Don't do that anymore. And we don't. They can put rules up here. I mean, if you don't believe that people don't follow rules, get out on the highway and see if everybody's going to speed limit. No, everybody's breaking the rules. That's the reason in Colossians, Jesus said, why are you trying to live under rules? Why are you making rules for yourself? That's not it. Listen to the Holy Spirit, and he'll keep you straight. Look at verse 24. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? Now here's the thing. You've seen heaven? I haven't. I've seen Revelation because John saw heaven. God showed it to him to give us an idea of what it's like, and I've read it a hundred times. So I got an idea what heaven is, but where I'm going and going to live for eternity, I don't even know what the place looks like. Always got streets of gold and gates of pearl. I know that. But you see, all of that after after a period, after a thousand years, is going to be destroyed. And then the whole creation is going to be changed. That's where we're going to live forever. It won't be streets of gold there, probably in gates of pearl. I don't know what it will be like. But it'll be where Jesus is. That's all I want to know. But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Isn't, isn't there a question in your mind about where you're going to live eternity? Isn't it? Don't you ask yourself sometimes, wonder if it's going to be like this? Because we don't really know. But we know God will be there, and we know Jesus will be there. And we'll carry the Holy Spirit there with us because he's going to live in us forever. So where is it? What does it look like? I don't know. That's what makes me hope to see it. Because if I could see it already, I'd know what it looked like, and I wouldn't have to ask myself any questions about it. But I'm looking forward to being in heaven because it's a place I've never been before. Jesus was there, and we saw how he was. And we're going to be like him. Look at that. I better quit hanging on to that thing. <laughs> But where he is, I want to be. Where God is, I want to be. Where there's no more pain and sorrow and sickness, I want to be. But I don't know exactly what it's going to look like. But it's going to be something. John's told me enough to believe that it's going to be something. And that means I want to go there. takes us a long time to learn about heaven. People still, every day, they've been reading the Bible ever since they were little bitty kids in Sunday school. 
they still don't understand much about heaven yet. They're always asking questions. So let me ask you this, what he asked, are you waiting for heaven with patience? Yeah, you have to, because you're not going the only way you can see it is to die. Nobody's out here running around trying to die but crazy people and people who don't have Jesus. Then another question comes up. You got to have patience because we got to wait. Let me ask you this. Are you waiting for God about the little things? I wonder whether I need to trade cars. Well, I just ask God, and if he tells me to trade cars, then I, I, I know I'll be okay. Well, I went out and made a fool of myself. I went out and did something on my own. We used my own brain, and it's been the biggest mess you've ever seen. That's what happened. So the question is, are we waiting on God every day to see what he tells us what to do about our lives? Or are we using our brain? Somebody told me, said, well, my grandma told me that God gave us a brain. He expected us to use it. I said, that's not really what he said because your grandma's not inspired. My Bible tells me, yep, God gave us a brain, but he said it wasn't no count. <laughs> you better listen to him. And your heart is deceitful above all things. It'll lie to you. It'll deceive you. So you can't listen to your heart. You can't listen to your brain. I don't leave anybody but Jesus. And the Holy Spirit will contact him and find out from him what we need to do. And then we won't be doing so many unwise things. Let's pray. Father, teach us. Make us understand the glorious position that we're in. Let us look around. And we won't have to look far to see people who are 360 degrees sad. They're in a jam and they can't get out of it and they don't know how. And nobody's there to tell them about Jesus. Or if they are, they won't listen. Lord, make us those people that like you say in chapter 12 of Hebrews that other people are looking at. That they want encouragement so when something happens to them like it happens to us, they'll act like we do. So give us the courage to do that. Give us the faith to do that and the grace to be like Christ was a superhero in front of them. Now, Lord, we're going to fail. We always have and we always will. But, Lord, give us the wisdom to ask for forgiveness immediately. And that cleans us from all what we did. And then when in the morning comes around, it's a brand new day and we don't have to think about what we did yesterday. Lord, thank you. Thank you for putting us in a place like we are right now where we can live another day letting people know that Jesus is a better way. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.